it's an over 50-year-old franchise. And Anthony and I play the first gay couple. So it had been a long time coming, like to the point where they were like creating, you know, fake fan fiction love stories between Spock and Kirk back in the day. It was exciting and we were really, really excited to be a part of it. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe that it is almost summer, which means that it is Pride Month. And here at the Lead With Your Brand podcast, we are proud to relaunch our Pride on Brand collection at Lead With Your Brand dot com slash pride. There you'll be able to find all of our shows featuring amazing executives, leaders, and influencers, all who identify as members of the LGBTQ plus community. And we've got another fabulous new episode featuring my old friend, amazing actor, star of Paramount Plus's Star Trek Discovery, and activist, it is Wilson Cruz. But before we get to Wilson, I want to talk a little bit bit about your brand. Now, you know, when we talk about branding, it's really easy for people to think about logos and taglines and products, right? But remember, those are all just expressions of the brand. So remember, if you just go out and get a new outfit to show up at work or change your Zoom background or, you know, choose a fun font and colors and taglines to put on your Outlook signature line, that's just just all really the trimmings there. At the end of the day, your brand is your DNA. It is your brand DNA that informs the way you package yourself, the way you show up, and ultimately how you lead with your brand. Now, the foundation of your brand DNA ultimately has to be a mission or a core belief. And it's not a necessarily a core belief for the current job that you do. No, right? Because we don't want to be defined by our job title. Instead, this should really be that mission and that core belief that drives you through life. So since it's Pride Month, you know, I'll share as a kid, I was constantly bullied. In fact, I was heavily bullied from the time I think I was about five or 
six years old for not really fitting in, right? And clearly, as a kid, I didn't have the language to say I was part of the LGBTQ plus community, but certainly the kids in school and on the playground had plenty of things to tease me about and throw stuff at me. And I remember always kind of coming across as an introvert and really protecting myself by being quiet and kind of hanging out on the sidelines. And it really wasn't until I was in high school that I was able to find, you know, my voice and really express who I was and really be the best authentic self that I could be. And I remember in high school just thinking, you know what? No one should ever go through this. Everyone should really be able to be the best them that they can be. And then I remember having an interesting job experience when I was 18 years old where I was asked at a at new hire orientation to take off a red ribbon AIDS pin that had been sitting on my suit since I volunteered for the silent auction at a big HIV and AIDS benefit. And then later, even in my first month, I kind of had all sorts of people asking questions and saying things that I had on my car, my bumper stickers or a t-shirt or I might have worn to a rehearsal. You know, I realized I don't belong at this workplace, not because I'm different, not because I'm authentic and stand up for what I believe in, but quite simply, my values don't match the values of this organization. And from that experience, I came up with my core belief and my true mission, which is to help people find their true brand voice and bring their best authentic selves to work every single day. You know, quite simply, on that day at New Hire Orientation, I told myself no one else should have this experience, and it's driven me for 30-plus years moving forward. So my question to you is, what is your mission? What is your core belief that drives your brand DNA and really serves as the foundation for your authentic brand. Now, on top of that, we all have something that we call self-limiting beliefs. You know, for all of those years of being bullied and pushed around by kids at school, you know, even when I was able to find my true brand voice, I told myself, well, you know, because I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community, I'm never going to really fit in in traditional business. Like, I'm going to have to fit into those creative businesses and entertainment, and that led me to an amazing career for over 25 years working in Hollywood with major entertainment and media organizations. But I had told myself as a young man, you know what? You can never wear a suit. They'll never listen to you in that way. And quite frankly, what do I do now? I wear a suit and I travel around and I speak on stages. And it actually held me back from potentially going into a business degree or an MBA because I told myself I'd never fit in. So I still had an amazing career journey, but I ask you to think about your own beliefs. Do you have some of those self-limiting beliefs that are holding you back where it's not really other people that are in the way, but you? Well, I am super excited to kick off Pride Month with an amazing special guest and friend. It is award-winning actor. 
actor, activist, and humanitarian Wilson Cruz, who currently stars as Dr. Hugh Colber on the award-winning Paramount Plus series Star Trek Discovery. Now, Wilson also appeared on the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why and in Hulu's 2020 GLAAD award-winning original animated kids series The Bravest Night. Since it's Pride Month, you should know he also is the executive producer of the critically acclaimed docu-series called Visible, out on television, which airs on Apple TV+, Plus, that investigates the importance of TV as an intimate medium that has shaped the American conscious and how the LGBTQ plus movement has shaped television. Now, Wilson has received many, many awards, including the Emory S. Hetrick Award from the Hetrick Martin Institute for Outstanding Contributions to LGBTQ Youth for his groundbreaking role as Ricky Vasquez on the ABC series My So-Called Life, where Wilson became the first openly gay actor playing an openly gay role on series television. He's also starred as Angel in the West Coast premiere of the Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award-winning musical Rent, which earned him both the Ovation and Drama Log Awards before his reprisal of the role on Broadway. We'll be back in just a few moments with Wilson Cruz. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have an amazing guest and special friend joining us today. It is award-winning actor and star of the Paramount Plus series, Star Trek Discovery, Wilson Cruz. What is going on, Wilson? Hi, Jason. How are you? I am spectacular. Happy Pride Month, Wilson. Happy Pride Month. Yes. We made it through another year, and this time we get to see each other at Pride. What a concept. Exactly. We are ready to to march and to uh, to have a little bit of fun. So, Wilson, talk to me. You are such a busy man. What is going on? What's happening with Star Trek Discovery and all of the other amazing things you're working on? Well, since we're talking about this right during Pride season, I can safely t- tell you that I am in the middle or I'm at the, at, I'm, we just started uh, shooting season five um, of Star Trek Discovery, which is amazing. It's literally the, the longest job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no, no. You know, I was like, you know, on every one season show you can think of. <laughs> and, if it, and if it was a long running show, I somehow made my way to it in their last, so I started to think I was like the Grim Reaper. Like I'd show up on set and people would be like, save your money. Here comes Wilson. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, this is the longest character I've ever played. Yeah, Hugh Colbert. Um, and thank God that he's fascinating and multidimensional um, and, and has been really kind of challenging and fun to play. So um, it's been great. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're starting season five uh, up in Toronto. I'm presenting at the Tonys this year, um, which, is, which is very exciting. I've never been to the Tonys. What category? Um, what category are you announcing? 
apparently I am uh, best scenic design of a play. Ooh. Yes. So that's Although probably fun. by the time we've done this, I have presented it and looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always look amazing. So I think there's there's no worry about that. Wilson, talk to well, me worried. a little bit about joining the Star Trek family because Star Trek is like an iconic brand with raving fans. So what was it like kind of jumping into something that people have been in love with for 50 years? Well, I, was, I, I first want to say that I thought I was prepared for the fandom when I first started the job, I was not prepared. It's a over 50-year-old franchise. And Anthony and I play the first gay couple. So it had been a long time coming, like to the point where they were like creating, you know, fake fan fiction love stories between Spock and Kirk from back in the day. It was exciting and we were really, really excited to be a part of it. But you know, this is a very how can I put this diplomatically? It, you know, the, the, the fandom has a lot of opinions um, and they are not shy <laughs> about sharing them. Um, the problem, of course, ran, you know, w- that we ran into is that I have no problem responding. <laughs> 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 so whereas they probably, you know, were used to having a, um, you know, uh, I'm saying their comment and then walking away, you know, they've learned that, you know, if you step up, <laughs> I might step up back. Uh, so, you know, we've had some very interesting dialogue about representation and about the importance of um, sharing stories, uh, diverse stories. Um, and, you know, we're also the most diverse cast in, in Star Trek history, right? We, our captain is an African-American woman. Uh, we have, uh, a trans person. We have a non-binary person on our show. We have Tig Notaro playing a lesbian. M- many of our cast who are playing straight parts uh, are also part of the queer community. Um, so, you know, the only, the only straight cis white guy is an alien and you wouldn't know he is. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we're really breaking barriers here. So it's been, it's been fascinating and it's been fun, but I think, you know, first, you know, what I really want to say is that it has been a learning experience for everyone. And I think the dialogue that we've had with our audience um, and their excitement around the show is really what I carry with me. Um, But it has been a challenge. I'm not going to lie about that. (laughs) And talk to us. You, you talked about working with Anthony, of course, the great Mm -hmm. Anthony rap. How, how is it like working with him, especially because he's, you know, he's an OG rent star and you have played, uh, angel in rent many times. Yeah. Anthony and I've actually known each other for 26 years, uh, 25 years. It'll be this year. And, um, we met when I was actually rehearsing, um, in San Diego, in La Jolla, where my um, cast opened at the La Jolla Playhouse. We were the West Coast premiere. And he came during vacation, uh, during a break, to come visit us. And then, I, almost uh, not too long after that, a few months later, uh, I actually joined the Broadway cast during his last month in the show. So oh, wow. we actually overlapped for about a month and we became friends at that point. And then through the years, you know, have being a handful at the time, being a handful of being two of a handful of people who were openly out at the time, LGBTQ actors, um, you know, we had a lot in common and we, 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 uh, 
shared war stories, if you will, um, and became fast friends. And, you know, he's an advocate as well. And so we always found ourselves, um, you know, at the same events through the years. And he, and through Star Trek Discovery these last few years, we've become even, even more close. Um, you know, our, our, our storyline, um, requires, has required us to be very vulnerable with each other and be very open with each other and, um, and go to places that are really lovely and, and, interesting and fascinating as actors to go to and you kind of need that relation well i shouldn't say you need it it works better if you have the kind of relationship with someone where you have that safety and i definitely have that with anthony it's been really lovely yeah. So let's go back and, and and talk about your career. You've had some huge career uh, breakthrough moments. Of course, everyone knows you as Ricky Vasquez on the ABC series, My So-Called Life. You were the first openly gay actor playing an openly gay role on series television. So talk to me, how did that even happen? Um, <clears throat> it's you know, every time I think about this, it's like I'm I'm reading a fairy tale. Um, I literally was in a I, I just started my sophomore year in college, which you know I was in the theater department. I had a double major of theater and English. I thought I was going to be an, an English teacher who taught the drama school, the drama uh, classes, theater classes, um, and. I was going to Cal State San Bernardino and I, I'd, I'd had an agent, a commercial agent. Um, and I, I hadn't really done much, you know, I was in college. I was just trying to make my way through. And um, I was auditioning for stuff. I had gotten my SAG card the year before because I did three episodes of a series that Toby McGuire actually started his first gig called Great Scott. And so the following season, I was um, uh, eligible to, to audition for, SAG series regular roles. And the very first pilot I was sent was called Someone Like Me. Mm. Cause that was the original name of the pilot. Wow. Um, I know. And um, they sent, they sent it to me. My, my agent at the time said, I'm sending you this script um, because you know, this, this was code. Um, I'm sending you this script because I think you'll relate to it. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, and so, you know, she, I, she sent it to me. I did relate to it. It did feel like somebody was following me around high school for uh, three years. Um, I auditioned for Mary Goldberg, the casting director. Um, and it was very, you know, I was, it was, it was something I really wanted because it felt like something that had I seen when I was in, in, at that age, although I was just only a couple years older, um, would have meant a great deal to me. And after I finished auditioning for her, I didn't know if I was coming back or not. So I turned around and I remember saying to her, um, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again, but please tell whoever wrote this, that it would have meant everything to me to see this when I was 16 years old. And she turned back to me and she said, I think you'll have, I think you'll be able to tell her yourself. And then I came back, I auditioned for Winnie Holzman, who just the other day I was talking to her and she said, you know, she reminded me that. When I walked in the door, she felt like she, the person she had pictured in her head had walked in the door. And all she thought was, please let him be, at least be able to read. <laughs> you know, if, he, if he can read English. Uh, so um, it went well. I auditioned for Ed and Marshall. Ed Zwick and Marshall Horskovitz were his executive producers. And then I went to, to network. And the next thing I knew, I was uh, 
on my so-called life. But, um, you know, we did the pilot and it didn't get picked up that first year. We had to wait another year before we actually went to series. Um, so that's a long story, but if yeah, it was well, like, and I remember seeing you or actually, I think it might've been the first time I met you was during kind of this in-between phase where you had already filmed the pilot and you were like, Oh, and now, now we have a show coming on in, in, in the fall. And I was like, what do you mean you filmed this like a year ago? Yeah. Um, and you actually, I think we met while I was basically homeless because I was, Yes, because I was crashing on friends' couches. I was, you know, doing what I needed to do to survive um, the time between when my father threw me out of my, my home uh, and when we started filming the series. So um, maybe, maybe, actually, you know what? Maybe we had met once we had started and just hadn't started airing yet. But it wasn't yeah. too long after that uh, yeah. that, you know, that I found myself uh, just trying to survive. Um, but, you know, it was an intense time. I was literally 19 years old when I made the pilot. I was 20 when we went to series. Um, I didn't know who I was. I was figuring it out. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because when you're, when you're that young, I, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so you don't even know what to be afraid of. And I didn't, I definitely didn't know. I had the, the, you know, the magic of, 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 um, ignorance, right? Like, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I knew that it was hard to break in. I didn't know how hard it was because it, this kind of came to me. It was the first thing. Um, so, you know, there was the comfort of just not knowing what I was getting myself into. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was an interesting time. And, you know, and when so I look back on it, yeah. when I look back on it, I think, I'm glad I didn't know, right? Because had I known, I don't know that I would have been so bold, mm. you know, and, or as bold. Yeah, and so talk to me about, this isn't just about being on a TV series in people's living room, right? You, mm -hmm. you were a first, right? Which also meant you were kind of representing a whole community and there was, you know, lots of press and media around that. So what was that like on top of just being an actor trying to deliver great storytelling? Well, I'll tell you, to be honest, I knew that I was the first teenager, you know, the first LGBTQ teenager, queer teenager on, on American TV. I had, I did not know I was the first openly gay actor to play an openly gay role at the time. I didn't figure that out. We didn't know that until we started to do the research for the documentary that I produced years later called Visible out on television. On Apple um, TV, which everyone TV should go Plus. out and watch because it's Pride Month. It's fabulous. It's so good. You, will, you won't regret it. Um, it'll set you up really well for Pride. Um, but um, I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like an opportunity. Um, you know, I was a politically active person. You know, I think all of us who were growing up at that time in the 90s yeah. um, really were aware of the power of visibility. You know, we grew up in the in the world that Vito Russo had had created for us, where yeah. we learned where it was in our in our bones, where we knew the power of coming out, what it meant, uh, not just personally, but what it meant for people to know us yeah. and to know our lives from from us. And not some, you know, exaggerated, um, uh, you know, misinformed interpretation of who we were from people who were out to get us. Let's be honest. 
Um, so we, you know, the, the power to tell our own stories. And so for me, it was, um, it was an opportunity to be a part of that, to, to, to move the needle a little, right? Here I was afforded a platform um, through Ricky Vasquez to talk about the experiences of queer youth in a suburban space and, you know, a, a, a man of color, a young man of color, um, you know, someone who didn't quite fit in anywhere. And I knew that I knew what the, I knew it was going to be powerful for me to be able to, to speak to my own parallel story and experience. Um, and as scary as that was, um, I knew I needed to take that step. And so mm. I am, I wanted to, I wanted to afford myself the opportunity to speak to those issues and to give comfort to a generation of young people who were starting to see themselves in, in the culture, in the media. Um, you know, and it was the nineties. We, we had Bill Clinton in office. We had, you know, Katie Lang on the cover of out magazine with, um, Cindy Crawford, you know, we in the shaving scene, right? Yes. We had Madonna and her dancers in truth or dare. So it was, a, it was the gay nineties. Um, we had Pedro Zamora on the real world. Um, so there was this real explosion of visibility and I was a part of that. And so that's what it was like. Yeah. Wilson, talk to me about how that changed the trajectory of your career being an openly out actor. Yeah, I mean, I think this goes back to, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew that it would affect, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't that ignorant. Um, there was a part of me that hoped, well, you know, in reality, there was, the, there was truth in that the industry and people who wanted to tell those kind of stories um, came looking for me when I was available. So what was the next big breakthrough for you? I think the big moment for me was rent. You know, I think that when I did rent, people were like, oh, okay, this kid is more than we thought he was. You know, he has yeah. other skills. Um, he's a triple threat, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, you know, I had, a, I came from the theater, so I needed people to, sh to understand that I, I, I did television, but you know, where I learned my craft and where I honed who, you know, my art was in the theater. And I wanted, uh, to communicate that and to take on that specific role, which was a mountain was a huge mountain to climb, you know, Wilson Heredia, who originated the role had won the Tony just a few months before I started playing him. So there was a lot to live up to and I wanted to make it my own. Um, and I think people took notice of that, you know, when it premiered, um, in the West coast at the Amundsen theater after La Jolla, um, there was a lot of press around it. You know, everyone in the industry came to see me. It was one of the very few times where, where, um, a show came to town and everybody wanted to see it. Um, mm. you know, it was like, Hamilton before Hamilton. Honestly, it was that. Yeah, huge. I mean, it was like people waiting in line all night to try and yes. get like a rush ticket, and yeah, right. But even industry wide, it was like people wanted to see it. They were trying to get tickets, and you know, it was a, <clears throat> it was definitely a, a, um, a, a career milestone, right? Yeah, um, that set me up really here. well. Yeah, and then after that. Um, you know, I did, I did party of five, did the last season of party of five. Um, and then I did, I was in everybody's, I was everybody's guest star for almost 
20 years, right? Yeah. You know, when there was a, every, any show that you could think of that, you know, from West Wing to ER to Ally McBeal, I mean, I did them all, Grey's Anatomy. Um, but there was really very little opportunity in terms of series regular roles. You know, when we saw series regulars on television, for the most part, through the 2000s, they were gay white men. Um, and then we had the L word. That was it. You know what I mean? Like if you were a yeah. person of color um, and you were part of the queer community and you were an artist, you had to um, convince casting directors and creatives that it didn't have to be a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. believe it or not, that was another steep climb uh, at the time. And which is why I ended up working at GLAD because it was, it afforded me an opportunity to have conversations with uh, executives and casting people and creative people on a level that as an actor, I would have never had. Um, And to have difficult conversations um, where they needed to be called out about their biases and about their blind spots in terms of casting and in terms of whose stories we were allowing the industry to tell. Um, and they weren't easy conversations. Um, and at times I even thought I was risking my own career by having them, but what a great way to go out. I thought, right. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a burn this bitch down. <laughs> exactly. And of course, all of our listeners know that glad used to be known as the gay and lesbian Alliance against defamation. And they are the nonprofit organization that works with entertainment, media and technology to accelerate stories about the LGBTQ plus community that help with acceptance. But what ended up happening was um, I was having those conversations at a time that the ground was fertile. You know, it was fertile ground yeah, for it. Right. I mean, you had this unique platform that only as a person with your background who had been in the industry could really have those conversations, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was um, you know, I'm sure that another person of color has and could have had those conversations, but I'm, I won't lie. I think the fact that I was a, a, a recognizable face to them, that they they knew my work, uh, that, that it let me have a more vulnerable conversation with them. So Wilson, you talked a lot about your career and these really key breakthrough moments and roles for you. Now talk to me a little bit about your brand as both an actor as well as an activist. How would you describe your brand? If we're talking about brand, um, you know, I always had a problem with the term brand. Like, what is your brand? I yeah. think, but I think for me, my brand, when I look back has been vulnerability, right? Power through vulnerability, vulnerability. Like my, my superpower has been my willingness to be vulnerable, um, by coming out, by talking about my experience with my own family. Um, but also, Politically, right? In my political work, in my advocacy work, I have, I have used my own vulnerability and my own experience to highlight the experience of people like me. Um, and that's, that, that, that's not without risk. Yeah. Um, but the reward is so high. Yeah. Because it comes from a very real and human place. 
Um, and I think people recognize that and you open people up when you show up with your heart in your hand a bit, they are more willing to meet you there. Um, and that space of, of vulnerability, of openness is where change can happen. It can happen. I'm not saying it always happens, but that's the space. That's the, the, the fertile ground of change is when we both, when both parties come to it openly, vulnerably, uh, with their own truths. And that's how I've, I've managed to have these conversations, whether at GLAAD or in the media when I'm doing interviews, but also my own work, right? Yeah. Even my work with, with Anthony, when I think about it, or my work, well, any of my work, you know, you know, I always try to find that, that character's vulnerability. What is it that um, cracks them wide open? Yeah. To me, that's the secret. Yeah. And I love this whole notion of it's the power through vulnerability. Now, Wilson, I know you talked about this going way back in, in your acting. Is this something that has always been part of you as a kid? Or is this even something that you've honed over time? Well, I think, I think it's both. I think because of what uh, because of the, 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 the opportunities that I have been afforded, it required me to be vulnerable, mm. but because it required me to be vulnerable, I got to witness how powerful that vulnerability could be, how mm. it affected people, how it was more than just, Oh, they're watching this TV show. They're going on the, they're going on the ride with this guy, right? They're, yeah. they're opening themselves up to an experience that they never thought they would be able to understand. But because I come to it from a, a, a place of humanity um that we all that we can we can find um some mutual space in uh people can see themselves in 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 those parts right like i played a, a drag queen i you know i'm, I'm this freaking space doctor right uh <laughs> these, you know these kind of <laughs> these kind of you know you know these out these, these experiences that may be so far from who they are but in the end, I want to show them how human they are. And that, and that's, that's their way in. And if they yeah. can see my humanity, they can experience my humanity, then they can experience the humanity of this drag queen or, you know, this, this person living with HIV, you know, uh, uh, you know, this, this young man who becomes a, a, a nanny for a kid after losing his own child. Like th this, the key to my career has been, a willingness to find the humanity and vulnerability in these people. And that's the doorway. Then yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> and you get us good. Um, so Wilson, I love like you even in talk about yourself as being an actor and activist, a humanitarian, you even use this word um, activist, right? Mm -hmm. Around. So, so talk to us about this activist uh, sort of brand or notion. What does that mean to you? I, you know, to me, it means that I'm using my art, right? My, my art form to, to move the needle to, of acceptance, right? Like we were just talking about that. If I can get you to experience um, this fictional character's feelings and emotions and journey, um, then perhaps you can extrapolate that to your own community and to people like that person. Um, and 
that's that's why I kind of joined the the two notions, right? Because I'm using, you know, we all use what we know, right? Yeah. Um, we all use our our. I think that's what we're asked, we're called to do in this time in the movement, right? What skills do you bring to bear that can help move the needle? I'm an actor. Uh, I'm an advocate and, and, and I'm an artist. So how can I use that to inform our experience? I'm not saying everybody's going to have that experience, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever skills you have. Um, we use our own stories and experiences to show our humanity. Um, and, and so that's why I think about it in that term. And, and, and also, you know, being an actor, um, in the public eye, I'm afforded a platform. I have a public platform, whether it be on social media or through, you know, interviews, uh, in various publications or on TV or talk shows. Um, I'm going to take the opportunity to speak to our moment because we're living in revolutionary times. Yeah. And we all have to be a part of this revolution. We have to continue to have this conversation. If at the very least, just to inspire the young people who are behind us to continue to do the work of moving that needle so that they can see themselves. You know, um, I think about Billy Porter too. You know, he's doing yeah. the same thing. All of us, Robin De Jesus and uh, MJ Rodriguez, like we're, we're just using our lived experience to inform this political moment that we're in where we're being asked, not even asked, we're being told not to talk about who we are. Mm. And the reason why they're we're being told not to talk about who we are is because those people who are trying to get us to stop understand how powerful our stories are, how powerful our vulnerability is. So if they can take that away from us, they can stop moving that needle of acceptance. And we're not going to allow that to happen. Yeah. And and speaking of Florida, one of the things that has been so touching for me in the work that you've done as a, as an activist has been really championing uh, the, the people at the Pulse, Pulse nightclub in Orlando. And I know you use your social media platform and I know that that's very personal and we're, we're coming up, if you can even believe on right, the sixth anniversary is right around the corner. Talk to us a little bit about the work that you've done around uh, Pulse and ensuring that those people's stories are not forgotten. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was devastating on a, on, on, on a personal level, you know, um, as has been well-documented, I, I lost, um, family member there. I think the only way that I, that I was able to deal with it or mourn, um, or grieve in any way was to make sure that their stories and their lives weren't lost in vain. And so, you know, there's a, there's an organization called the One Pulse Memorial, um, that is raising money to, um, build this museum and this, this beautiful memorial that will house all of their stories, um, that will allow us to remember who these people were. And, and the fact that it was Latin night at Pulse um, yeah. is also important to highlight that, you know, these were people who were escaping, many of which were immigrants who were escaping circumstances in their home countries that were already devastating and were coming to this country to feel safe and to find a place to, um, to belong. And, in the end found their demise. Um, so it's always, you know, it's just important for me that we don't forget them, uh, yeah. all 49 of them. 
um, and all of the people who are who survived it and are still living with the trauma of it. Yeah. So much of of my advocacy too is is using my platform to highlight other uh, you know the the work of other people, other young people especially. Um, I'm always going to take the opportunity to highlight the work of a young person who's who's doing their part to move the needle. You know, there's a young man in in Florida right now who has been fighting his own principles to allow him the valedictorian of his class yeah. to speak his own truth in Florida. And he found a really ingenious way to do that. Um, his name is Xander Morix. If you, if you should look him up, he's been covered in the press. Um, and he's someone that, that is inspiring me right now. Um, but I'm also on the national board of GLSEN and we have the National Student Council, and there are young people throughout the country who are part of our GSAs, our gender and sexual, um, our gender and sexual orientation um, alliances, uh, where these young people are making real change in their own schools and their own uh, districts, their own communities, um, and they're they're the real activists on the ground. They're the ones who are fighting these really draconian and um, and unnecessary bills uh, in order to that are that are being passed in order to silence them, and they are not waiting for us to take to uh, to dictate how to fight them. They're fighting them in the moment on the ground at the schools. Um, so I'm always going to highlight those young people because it's like the '90s all over again, right, honey? And just when we thought. <laughs> Just when we thought, you know, it's like whack-a-mole, you know. <laughs> oh, Wilson, I, I wanted to ask you kind of a final sort of uh, a question here around this notion of we always hear about being your best authentic self or being an authentically LGBTQ plus person. What does that mean to you? Or, or more importantly, how do you just show up as your authentic self? You know, I, it's, I always think about this, too, because we, we ask we ask people to to be vulnerable and bring their authentic self. Um, but we can only ask people to do that if they're willing and capable in their own truth, right? To do that. Mm. Um, we can't ask people to impart a lesson they haven't learned yet. Wow. So my, my I, I, you know, I hesitate to, to, to demand people do this or that. Uh, what I want people to if they're going to model anything is as far as my experience is, is that I've learned some stuff through the years. I've tried to share that experience with people so that they can skip some of that heartache. Um, but that's, that's vulnerability at its core. Right. Um, but I don't, I, I don't want us to, forget that there that people are struggling out there and some mm. people aren't ready to do that and that we have to love them through that. Um, and until they can, right. Until they can impart some wisdom. Um, so, you know, I think about that at pride month when there's so much celebration and people are out, you know, being loud and proud, there's a, there's still a large segment of our, our, of our community that is incapable of doing that given the circumstances that they're living under. Um, so I like to think of it as let's celebrate for them. Let's model happiness and, and acceptance of ourselves for them in order to inspire them to join us. 
Um, so I think about those people during Pride more than anything, right? I love mm. seeing the masses of people who show up, but I also am mindful of the masses of people who are incapable of showing up. Yeah. Who we need to create a safe environment and culture for them and for them so that they can. Yeah. So a couple of quick, fun questions. We talked a little bit about your brand. What brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? I am an Apple person, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like they own me, you know, down the line, like everything I am. But, um, you know, I know that they're an enormous corporation and they have a lot of work to do. And, and Lord knows, you know, in terms of, of um, third world uh, uh, employment, uh, if you want to call it that, they have a lot to answer to, but yeah. what they have done in terms of how they've spoken to visibility and this community and the value of it, um, you know, they've been a model company in those terms. If you were a type of car, Wilson, what type of car would you be? I would be the new electric F-150, Ford Ooh, F-150. Why? just because it's kind of badass that it's better now. It's a stronger car. It's a stronger vehicle now that it's electric than it was when it was gas. I'm like, that's real progress. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and we need, we need more electric cars, uh, on the road if we're going to make any dents in this climate problem. <laughs> and it, and it's kind of it badass. Goes, it's have a little yeah, daddy and it gives a little it. bit of those San Bernardino roots, right? Full on. <laughs> My Inland Empire is weak. (laughs) And finally, Wilson, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? You know, if I'm talking to other artists, I would say lean into all of those things that make you uncomfortable. And I know we've heard that before, but I think that is the key to your humanity, to your art. That's what opens you up. But don't be afraid of being uncomfortable. Find people who make you uncomfortable and work with those people. change their minds. So yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Wilson Cruz, thank you so much for showing your power through vulnerability and everything that you do for our community. We will check you out on Paramount Plus on Star Trek Discovery and have a great Pride Month. Thank you, babe. Happy Pride to you. And we'll be back in a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing way to kick off LGBTQ plus Pride Month with Wilson Cruz, the star of Star Trek Discovery on Paramount Plus. You know, I just loved hearing all about Wilson's career and how he defines his professional brand. But you know what really stood out to me was Wilson's emphasis on the power of telling your story. At the end of the day, your brand isn't about marketing fluff. 
it is really about you honing in on your own truth, taking all of those unique experiences and the unique superpowers and value that you bring and defining it, refining it, and sharing your story with other people. When Wilson talks about that power through vulnerability, it really is about bringing your story to the forefront. So I challenge you this Pride Month to think about what is your story? What has made you a unique individual? And what is that unique contribution that you can bring to the world? When we are comfortable sharing our stories, we're really sharing our brand, and that will help you lead to an amazing career breakthrough, and more importantly, help you change the world. Well, that's our show for this week. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new episode every single Tuesday. And of course, because it's LGBTQ plus Pride Month, check out our full collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash pride. And make sure you check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, especially on LinkedIn, where I share tons of tips and tricks on how you can lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And of course, remember always, do not be a boring old commodity like coffee. In your career and in life, make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.